All right, welcome to another episode of the Light Bulb Factory, conversation centered on the church becoming the light of the world. This episode is a recording from our college worship gathering. If you are a college student in Waco, we'd like to invite you to join us any Sunday at 12.30 p.m. in the college lounge of FBC Waco, where we learn about the way of Jesus together and discern what it looks like to live it out together as a community. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's great to see you. As Ryan said, my name is Joshua Sharp. Many of you know me, many of you don't. And today I'm going to talk to you about the spiritual discipline of scripture reading. This has been one of the spiritual disciplines that has been the most formative and transformative in my own walk with Christ over the years. And I hope that it can be the same for you. And I want to start off by answering a question that for most of us as Christians seems to have a pretty obvious answer, but it's still always worth talking about. And that is, why scripture reading specifically? Why not reading Plato or C.S. Lewis or J.R. Tolkien or any number of other books and authors out there? I mean, after all, you can be deeply edified by reading lots of books. Um, you're all, y'all are college students, so I hope y'all are being edified by reading lots of books. <laughs> but there's something different about the Bible. You know, there's a great saying, I can't remember who it's from, but the saying is, visit many great books, but live in the Bible. And so, of course, the question is, why? What makes this book special? Now, I'm not going to get into all sorts of like apologetics and theology about why you should believe the Bible is inspired and authoritative and all of that stuff. I'm going to take it for granted that as committed followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that and are willing to accept that. But I still think it's just worth reviewing that. And so a particular scripture passage that I find is just a great summary of biblical inspiration and authority and what this means for us is 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 through 17. Also, I'm going to be going to a bunch of different scriptures, so if you can't keep up, that's okay. Uh, But we'll be starting in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 through 17. So Paul is writing to his young protege, Timothy, who is doing ministry in Ephesus and having a little bit of difficulty with it. And Paul is just writing these letters to encourage Timothy in his leadership of the church there. And Paul says, starting in verse 14, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So that's a really great summary of biblical inspiration and authority from the Bible itself. Now, of course, if you go study religion in at Baylor or you study at seminary or something like that, you'll probably spend a lot of time talking about all sorts of technical terms like inerrancy, plenary verbal inspiration, and infallibility and whatnot. I'm not really going to get into that because the text doesn't actually get into that. Most of these theories of inspiration that people talk about in the academy are just that. They're theories. And they... They're based on the Bible, but they go a little bit beyond what Scripture says. But this is actually one of those cases where I think the straightforwardness and simplicity of Scripture is actually an advantage. 
because rather than getting bogged down in all sorts of technical details, Paul just gets straight to the practical point of what inspiration is supposed to mean. And so he says that all scripture is inspired by God. The Greek word is theonoustos, or I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Apologies to my Greek professors everywhere if they're listening to this. But it literally means God breathed. Now, of course, that's a metaphor because we know God doesn't have a physical body from which he breathes. But the metaphor carries this idea that God, through the Holy Spirit, moved the authors of Scripture and prompted them to write down the message that he wanted to pass on to his people. And the purpose of this message is to make us wise unto salvation through Jesus Christ and to equip us for every good work. And, you know, that's it, basically. Now, of course, there's tons of benefit to be had from studying Scripture from all sorts of different angles, but at the end of the day, for Christians, the ultimate point of biblical inspiration is to become wise unto salvation through Jesus Christ and to be equipped for every good work. And so that is the fundamental reason why we are so committed to studying Scripture and to reading it as part of our regular spiritual lives, because it's unlike any other book. All the other books in the world, however inspired they might be in the ordinary sense of the term, they haven't been breathed out by God. They haven't been given to us to teach us about salvation and about good works from the mouth of God himself. And so we study scripture in order to be transformed into the likeness of God's son, Jesus Christ. But of course, that's the why. The more important question, what I'm going to commit most of my discussion to today is the question of how. How do we study scripture? And I'm actually going to put forward an idea that I believe is biblical, but that might be surprising to some of you. Because most of us, have been raised, and I was raised this way too, to think of scripture reading as a spiritual discipline, primarily being an individual thing. I go home, I go to my quiet place or my prayer closet or whatever, I pull out my personal copy of scripture, and then I read that myself, by myself, pray over it, and that's what scripture reading is. Now that is certainly a great, wonderful, good thing to do, and I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. But I want to argue today that the first and most fundamental form of scripture reading as a spiritual discipline is actually scripture reading done as a group, as part of worship. It's something that we do publicly together as the people of God. And we actually see this as the primary mode of biblical reading in the Bible itself. So for example, if you turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, The Apostle Paul, again writing to his protege Timothy, says, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. And then if you go back to Acts chapter 2, as I said, I'll be jumping around a lot, so if you can't keep up, that's all right. You have a description of the early church praising them for their faithfulness and piety. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 42, So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then just one more text from the book of Acts to sort of serve as a representative sample of what this looks like in the Bible. Acts chapter 17, 
verses 10 through 11. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So when we read the New Testament and the Old Testament, the vast majority of scripture reading and biblical study that the people of God do is something that they do publicly as a group. It's not something they go and do privately by themselves. Now, of course, the question is, why, why is that? Well, one reason is simply pragmatic. Most people couldn't read. And so if you didn't know how to read and you wanted to be exposed to the scripture, you had to go listen to someone else read it. And so if you're a Jew living in ancient Palestine during the time of the Old Testament, you would go to the, uh, you would go to the temple during worship and you'd listen to them read scripture in the temple worship. Or if you're living during the intertestamental period or during the time of Jesus and you're a faithful Jew, you go to the synagogue and you hear the scripture read and taught at the synagogue. And then if you're an early Christian, you hear scripture read during the gatherings of the church for worship. And so that was how most people overcame the fact that they didn't know how to read. They could still hear scripture read by going to these gatherings for worship where people would read the scripture aloud. And then another pragmatic reason, in addition to people not being able to read, is even if all of these people had known how to read, they really wouldn't have had much to read. Just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you own or have ready access to a physical copy of the complete Bible. Just raise your hand. That's basically all of you. And I'm sure all of you have some form of digital access to a Bible, whether online or through an app or something like that. This is actually really, really abnormal in the history of the church. Most Christians, in fact, most followers of God all the way back into the Old Testament period did not have access even to a partial copy of Scripture. The printing press, which is what made it possible to mass-produce books, wasn't invented until 15, almost 1,500 years after the time of Christ. And before the printing press came along, if you wanted to make a copy of Scripture, you had to do it by hand. Now just imagine for a moment how long it would take for you to copy by hand the entire Bible neatly enough that anyone could read it and without any mistakes. And that's just to make one copy. And so actual copies of Scripture were incredibly rare, including during the time that the Bible was written, obviously. In fact, the Bible wasn't even finished, so of course you couldn't get a complete copy of Scripture. And so... In fact, in the medieval church, they chained the Bibles, not to keep people from reading them, they chained them to keep people from stealing them because they were expensive and they took years to make. And so a lot of these early churches, if they had whatever access to Scripture they had, it probably wouldn't have even been the whole Bible as we think of it today. It might have just been some books here and there written on scrolls, but they also would have been lucky to have maybe just one copy of these scrolls. And so again, if you want to read the scripture or hear it read, you can't go do it at home. You have to come to the public gathering of the church. So those are the pragmatic reasons why people would do scripture reading and scripture study primarily in a public group setting. But I think there are also some good theological and spiritual reasons why, why, why they would do that and why we should do that today. For example, in the book of Ezra, whenever the people have been brought back from exile and they're like, 
who are we? What are we doing here? You know, one of the most fundamental acts that they that they do to sort of reconstitute themselves as the people of God is Ezra stands up in front of the people and reads and teaches from the Torah, the law of God, which is just a huge significant act that brings the people all together and marks them out as the people of God. And if you read the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, where you have this highly metaphorical prophecy of the dry bones and them being raised to new life, what it is that raises them to new life is the word of God going forth and bringing them to life. Reading the Bible and having it read to us is not just the same as reading any other book because there is something powerful, there is something intrinsic to the word that brings new life, that brings us together, that binds us together and marks us out as the people of God. And so one of the things that we can do to make scripture reading a regular spiritual practice is something that most of us are already doing, which is coming to church, listening as scripture is read, studying scripture in groups like this. And I would say never ever, like hopefully you don't have to make this choice, but if you ever for some reason were forced to choose between the public group reading of scripture and private reading of scripture, I would say go for the public first. But hopefully you're not forced to make that choice since you all do have physical access to copies of the Bible. And that is a great segue to talking about the private reading of scripture. Now, it may have sounded earlier like I was dogging on it a little bit, but I don't want to give the impression that I have a problem with the public or the private reading of scripture because this has been super transformative in my life. And this is something that I really want to dwell on for a little while. And so a relevant scripture passage from Psalm 119. Well, first of all, all of Psalm 119 is great for this, but uh, if I read this whole thing from beginning to end, that would take up all of my time. But I'll just read a selection from verses 33 through 40. The psalmist writes, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your ordinances are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. So what will stick out to you, well, two things that will hopefully stick out to you from that passage I read is, you know, first, just the emphasis on the word, God's precepts, God's laws, God's statutes, which are in scripture, but also the first person, the first person singular language, the I, me, my, I, me, my, because this, the psalmist, ironically enough, even though this would have been read aloud during public worship, originally it would have started out as a private prayer of devotion and reflection. And so we see within the Bible plenty of precedent for private reading and study of scripture, where you take the Bible, whatever access to it that you happen to have, and you just read it and you meditate on it. And this has been just, it's made a huge difference in my life personally, in my walk with Christ. But at this point, I wanna make an important distinction because I have uh, two degrees in theology, a bachelor's degree and then a master of divinity from the seminary. And so academic study of scripture and study of scripture and preparation for teaching and preaching is something that I've been doing for years. And as great as that has been, that's not what I'm talking about. 
when I'm talking about like private devotional reading of scripture. Because in addition to my sort of academic teaching and studying preparation stuff, what I also try to do, and I'm not saying this is exactly how you should do it, I'm just saying this is how I do it, is every morning, or almost every morning, some days are a little bit crazy, but almost every morning for the past few years, I will make my breakfast, put on a pot of coffee, you know, do all the dishes, take the coffee off, pour it out in a cup for myself, and then just sit down with my Bible and read just a few chapters. And it adds up to maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, depending on what I'm reading. But those 10 to 15 minutes make such a huge difference. They have made such a huge difference in my spiritual life because as I'm reading scripture at the beginning of every day, it encourages me, it challenges me, it guides me, it shows me things I haven't seen before. It's actually really helpful for enhancing my more academic study side because if you're reading scripture all the time, you start to see things, you make connections that you might not otherwise have made, and you just get so much scripture up here in your head that you are able to meditate on it day and night, as the psalmist says. And that has been probably the most transformative spiritual practice I've taken up in the past few years because being able to read scripture, in, a, in addition to being just such an immense privilege, having my own copy of the Bible that I can read and hold in my hands, just being able to start off almost every day encountering the Word of God through scriptures is it's profound. It makes a huge difference and it totally just sets the stage for my day and has shaped me in incredible ways. And so I hope that for all of you that that is also a practice that you can begin to develop in your lives. Because even if it's just five to 10 minutes a day, even just a couple chapters of scripture every day on a regular basis, it makes such a huge difference. Just out of curiosity, how many of you are musicians? How many of you play an instrument? Raise your hand. Okay, so the instrumentalists in the room can bear witness to this fact that even just 15 minutes of practice every day is better than an hour of practice once every week or two. A am I right here? Yeah. Because the thing is, you are regularly... I'm barely an instrumentalist. I bought an instrument like two weeks ago and started playing it, but not well. But the thing is, I try to make it a point to get my hands on it, even for just a couple minutes every day, because what happens is, but with that consistency, that regularity, you just sort of get it into your system. You get it into your bones in a way that you don't if you're only working on it once every week or two. And even if you're working on it for a longer period of time every couple weeks, it's just there's not a consistency to it. And so I think that's a great uh, illustration of this principle in action with something like playing music. And the truth is the same of scripture. And the truth is also the same for like physically working out. I'm sure many of you go to the gym and going to the gym for two hours once a month is probably not as beneficial as going to the gym for 15 to 20 minutes every day for a couple months. There is one other form, though, of private scripture reading that can also be done publicly, but it's something I'm sure many of you might not be familiar with. Some of you might. I know Ryan is, because he and I went to the same seminary, but uh, I don't know how many of the rest of you are familiar with it. Just out of curiosity, raise your hand if the words Lectio Divina mean anything to you. Okay, so more than a few, a, a little bit, a handful. Yeah, so Lectio Divina is an ancient 
practice of reading and meditating on scripture that was developed in monasteries starting around the 6th century AD. And it is a very slow, meditative, prayerful approach to reading scripture that just takes scripture reading and slows it way down. Because I'm recommending, you know, reading even just a couple chapters of scripture a day, but Lectio Divina, you're talking maybe a couple of verses read multiple times very slowly. But rather than simply explain it to you, I'm going to guide you through it for what for many of you may be the first time today. So we are going to do, in the time we've got left, some Lectio Divina on 2 Corinthians. And so first things first, I need you all to just try to put your feet flat on the floor, get comfortable, close your eyes, breathe slowly, and just take a moment to center yourself and maybe say a brief prayer privately to yourself and close your eyes and just prepare to hear the word. As I do this first reading, don't think about it, don't analyze it, just listen to it and ponder it. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. As I read this a second time, listen for a word or a phrase that sticks out to you. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness.
as I read this text for the third and final time, meditate on that word or phrase and meditate on the rest of the passage. And as I finish reading, silently say a prayer of response to God in answer to what you have heard him say to you through the reading of his word. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Amen. You can all open your eyes. So the thing with Lectio Divina is that you can do it either in a group like this, or you can do it on your own. And this is one of those cases where I know I sort of talk somewhat mockingly about going into your prayer closet, but a prayer closet is a good thing, and that is one of those places where you can go with a copy of Scripture and just, you know, go through this, you know, sit, be silent, and just read a short passage of scripture slowly, multiple times, praying on it, meditating on it, latching on to keywords and phrases, praying in response. And in a lot of ways, that can not only enhance your scripture reading, but also enhance your prayer life. Because so much of scripture, particularly the book of Psalms, are prayers offered to God using God's word. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm praying by myself, I often struggle for words. So why not use the words God gave us? 